Africa. The world's greatest wilderness. No, 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 no. No, no, no. We are not just documentaries narrated by old British men. We will not be summarized to our national parks or our tragedies. We are not caricatures of emotionless characters. We might laugh, but we are definitely not a joke. Our dreams are valid. Our hopes are valid. And we will change because we must. This is a compilation of our tales, our conflicts, our challenges, our solutions, our means, our hopes, our cultures, our futures, and our lives. Welcome to Pod Save Africa. Hello, welcome back to Pod Save Africa. This is your host, Akande Adirele, and today we're going to be having a fascinating conversation um, that's going to weave in the big picture to a lot of our personal stories and experiences. Um, I have three guests with me today. Uh, I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Oh, Bash, how about you get started, then Wale will go, and then Kolade can go. Let's keep it moving. Kolade, um, your turn. Hi, I'm Kolade Adore. I'm a sophomore at Boston University studying economics. Okay. Uh, hoping to go into economic development after I graduate. And uh, I really love soccer. I really love watching soccer. I play soccer. Okay. Anytime I want to. And I'm a Chelsea fan, so that's just about it. All right. Thanks for putting that out there. So, so first of all, this is this is an Africa podcast. We're not calling this soccer no more. All the soccer, soccer is football. I love football. I watch football. <laughs> I play football. All right. So, so let's let's get right into it, guys. Um. So the the first question is with this with football and by football for the Americans that are listening, um, is the equivalent of soccer in America. But um, you know, the first question I'd ask you guys, and let's go in the order of a bash, Wally, and then Kaladi, um. How did you like? What? How did you get into soccer in the first place? I imagine somebody introduced you or something like that. Um, how you know? How did you discover football? How did you discover um something that you watch so often nowadays? Yeah, I was watching Crash and my dad was like, I should change the channel for you. 
Is that now your 16 year anniversary of watching soccer? Congratulations! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Molly, your turn. Um, so my story is a little more than that. Okay, um, I started playing um, when I moved from Jos to Abuja. So when I used to be Jos in Nigeria, like I was from a relatively wealthy family, so I used to like you know basketball and I used to like you know all this bougie stuff like you know fencing basketball is bougie <laughs> it's it, bougie in Nigeria this guy yeah, that's fine which that's fine you know, <laughs> which format do you know plays basketball in Nigeria that's true <laughs> so, yeah that's true so like uh, when I moved to Abuja like um, my family was going through difficulties so I was in like this small town called Kubwa Mm-hmm. And uh, my brother was in boarding school and he used to play. He wasn't great, but he used to play. And okay. then he would take me outside to play on the streets with like, all these kids. But every single time I wanted to play, they would tell me that, like, oh, I have to be goalie. Because, like, I've not played before. Okay. You know, back then they used to call me Ajebo because I was low-key light-skinned mm-hmm. and I was coming through the part of town. Mm-hmm. Anytime they'll play, you know, I'll be goalie, they'll kick the ball at me, they'll make me, make me, they'll put the ball between my legs, like I don't have anything to do with it. You know, so I used to get very shy and everything. So I never watched soccer. I just started, went directly into play. But okay. then I got very into it when, like, you know, I back from vacation. Mm-hmm. And, you, and all of his friends just turned me to the goal. And I realized that, like, you know, for me to sort of fit into the community I, I was in, it was a relatively, like, you know, poor community. We'll play on the street, yeah. use stones as goal, I will play with bottles and stuff. For me to fit into, like, the uh, community, I had to be good at something. Okay. I stayed up for about a year and a half, 179 days to be exact. Because like I used to save my transport money until I bought my first soccer ball, mm-hmm. and then I played every single day, mm-hmm. every single day, until my brother came back from this um, vacation, and then I I did dance skills, and that's when I graduated from goalkeeper. So, so I got that. All right, how about uh, how about your turn? Tell us about it. Well, I got into watching football at first. Because of my uncle, um, when I remember when I was turning seven in 2006, so when I was yeah when I was turning seven in 2006, wow. he decided to uh, get my twin brother and I a uh, football jersey, and he got me a Chelsea jersey with number eight and my name on it. And I wanted to find out which player had that same jersey and which player wore that same number, so I decided to watch some matches because I. 
ترین How did you, you guys are both supports different teams. I'm not going to say the name, but if you feel comfortable doing so, <laughs> go ahead. Uh, how did you become part of said teams that you have supported or that you currently support? Yeah. Abbas, go first. Okay, so, <laughs> okay, so, for those that are listening that know who I am, well, I currently, I support for my health, for health reasons. <laughs> for health reasons. Yeah, that's not, I mean, I still, 
Whatever team you are a fan of. Ah, I'm an Ava fan now. So I became an Ava fan. Uh, my mom, my mom from Abiyase, Kumwa here. Okay. Continue, please. And uh, Ava is from Abiyase too. Uh, they are just blue and white. We are the African champions. Yeah, they are the African champions. Only four times, only less than I think Al Hali or something in it. Okay. So I. I'm an Ava fan. My mom used to support them when they against Rangers United back in the day. Mm-hmm. So, um, so um, I think in 2002 or around then, I watched the first game when they were playing in the final, and then they won the finals, and it was just a mad thing. Mm-hmm. And then in Nigeria, they also won because they beat, I think, the Sunshine Stars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are your people, huh? Yeah, why you say shit? Sunshine Stars is not an <laughs> okay, yeah, I know we are not even informed. I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> but, but yeah, um, yeah. So that's how I became like an Aiba fan. Mm-hmm. You know, rumor uh, has it that I support Arsenal. Are, are you ready to do it? It's not political propaganda propagated by police. That's my belief, man. Yeah, I am an Aiba. Aiba fan, Aiba fan. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. All right. So, so let, let's let's step around those lines for a second, and uh, let's discuss uh, uh, let's discuss memories, right? So let's let's do both uh, favorite memory and saddest moments, soccer related, and this can be the team you support. This can be any team. This can be whatever. Um, let's start this time with uh, Wally, and then we'll do Kolade and then Obash. All right. Um. So. So let's let's do it that way. Okay. So Wale, go ahead. What's just very briefly, your favorite more memory, your saddest moments. Uh, my favorite moment or my favorite memory soccer. I think they're not competing. Just tell you to real quick. The first one was like uh, so after I bought my first soccer ball, I talked about how I used to practice and train every day. Mm-hmm. So I learned. I used to, you know, try and do moves that I saw on, like, you know, FIFA Street, move on, move on, move on over again. I put in at least six hours of training every day alone, shooting, kicking the ball at wall and everything. Hmm. And I remember I had been trying to combine uh, a roulette, which is basically a 360, and uh, this thing, pot of gold, which is the rainbow flick. Hmm. I've been trying to combine both of them into one skill. Because I felt like if I turn around and flick the ball over and open it, it's going to look so much better than just doing the basic rainbow flick. Mm. So I, for me to get that move down, I had practiced over 2,000 times. And I just kept trying and trying and trying. I'll fall, I'll fall, I'll fall. But I'll get back up and keep trying it. And then the first day I got it, I was like out of this world, excited. Mm. And then my elder brother comes back from school, you know, and I show him the move. 
and he have he has no idea what's going on. Like no one can understand. Oh, how do you put both skills together? Do you turn around? How do you do it? Mm. So that game, they actually went out and were playing. And there's this guy, his name is Arinze. His younger brother's name was Junior. And Arinze and Junior were really good, right? But they always used to shit on me and my brother because, like, I couldn't play and I was always goalie. Mm. Why Junior was younger than me and Junior was very good. Yeah, don't you ever like him? What? Don't you ever like So, um, so that day I went out and then, like, I was playing, I was playing, I was playing. They made me goalie, obviously, by playing monkey post. For those that don't know what monkey post is, Instead of making like normal size goals, you make like um like a smaller size goal and you cannot use like your hand yeah. to go. You only have to use your feet. So we're playing monkey post now and then I got the ball and then just by like a score of like, you know like inspiration, I'm like, I've been training for so long, why don't I just go up? So I take the ball and I really literally take on the whole next team and I drew every single one. And I'm doing moves that they only see on TV because I've been practicing moves that you only see on like FIFA Street. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing all this for getting past people. And then I do like the um, this thing, the um, combined roulette and rainbow kick. Mm-hmm. So I raise the and then I get more and then I score. And all the women that are like plating hair by the side of the road, they are just screaming and clapping. And everyone is like, I because like you know that's what they used to call me then. Right. Everyone is just like screaming and they're like, "Whoa, man, he's so good and everything." And that was the first time my life took a switch. So I stopped being like you know the guy you sent to go to the goal, and everyone wanted to pick me on my team. Mm. So that was like I I think that's like my favorite Favorite. moment. Mm. That's the moment I think that like soccer helped me transform or transcend from being like this basic person to someone that you know was a force to reckon with and people loved watching me. Mm. And then I guess. It was sort of a similar situation. I guess the second memory is almost in like the like, saddest the moment. No, the uh, my second moment, like happy moment. That was no, wait, way. Is it, it, don't I want to get your saddest moment? So which one is your happiest of these two? I think this one. This person I said is my the happiest. First one, yeah. Okay. So I'll tell you. I'll tell you your heartbreak. I want to hear the emotions. Okay, so two thousand and two thousand and twelve. Hmm. We were playing the Cup, two thousand and twelve. So it was two thousand and twelve. I can't remember the exact date. I believe it was in um it was sometime in June. Mm-hmm. Sometime sometime in June. Yeah, it was June. I think June seventeenth, around that area, sure. Mm-hmm. We had um we have this competition we call Loyola Cup where we bring different schools from in and around the area to play and fight for this cup. Mm-hmm. And um, the way it is is that like, a lot of people don't get to play Loyola Cup until their final year. Mm-hmm. And my set was one of the largest sets. So we had we had been playing soccer every single Sunday morning for six years. We had considerably gotten better than every single set before and after us. Mm-hmm. You know, we were so good because we played together, we put in time, we put in effort. You know, and we had a team that we believed would win Loyola Cup because Loyola hadn't won Loyola Cup in almost five years. They won it in a GF1 and we wanted to win it again. Mm-hmm. So me and my team, I was captain by that time, I was captain by the by SS3 and I, I had gotten like, uh, I got injured before Loyola Cup started. Mm-hmm. So I had like a tie by Oganga now 
my leg was swollen mm-hmm. from just you know, basic morning soccer yeah. and wasn't going to be able to play. But I'd been running again, I was getting back to my feel my full fitness mm-hmm. and like, you know, I thought I gonna be able to make the game. And then before the game this guy called um, Coach Theodore. His name was Mr Theodore. Mr Theodore fucked no, okay, not fucked. Like he screwed up like our team roster mm-hmm. And uh, he he left me of the team, left a few of the key players of the team that were necessary, and made just a random team. And for the first time, we decided to disrespect our coach, and we submitted another team list, which is like you know all of us have been playing for six years to get to that particular point. Mm-hmm. And we won our first game, we won our second game, but in the final, the final, I remember it was like it was yesterday. We were playing, I think it was this school called Karu. We're playing GSS's Carol. And GSS's Carol, they weren't like much better than us, but they were good. So in the first three minutes of the game, we had pass one, pass two. They gave us a through pass, and I scored. So I ran and I chipped the ball and it's caught. But then they said we were offside, right? Mm-hmm. And we were complaining, complaining that it wasn't offside, that we were just much faster than their defenders and everything. But they canceled the goal. Mm-hmm. Well, like three minutes into the game, we can't see the first goal because by this guy called Dami. I don't know. Do you remember his name? Was it Treasure or something? <laughs> I don't know. Something like that. Okay, so Treasure scores the first goal. Yeah, that's one of the names. Either Endurance, Treasure, or Endurance. What was his name? Promise? Promise. I think it's Promise. Okay, Promise. Yeah, treasure. Potential. This guy, Promise. Who? Like, uh, we're, we're arguing about like a foul and then like you know, they take a free kick mm-hmm. and he immediately just hits the ball right over our goalkeeper then Brian Drew mm-hmm. he considers from the goal but then we are not like you know we are still determined we are still determined you know we've worked so hard for this so we bust our asses off and then like we get we get the goal back which I scored so we get a corner a few you know running and then a, a cross back and then I just tap it in we get the goal back 1-1 and then we're going, we're, we're playing, and we think we can win. And then I think at like eight, seven minutes, this same guy, Promise. Promise. Promise had like a... Was he a promising player? I don't know this guy. <laughs> I don't remember. I remember I was in tears. Okay. This guy, from eight, seven minutes, just called like... I don't know whether it was a half volley. I think he, he skewered the ball, but the ball just ends us for some reason. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it's seven minutes. We're like, we have three minutes on the app. can do this. And we are running. We are putting every single thing on the line. But for some reason, we just don't score. And the game ends 2-1. Oh. And all my teammates are broken. Because we had worked so hard to get to that point. And we lost in the final. And the worst part about losing a final in your SS3 is that you know you never play a final again. Mm-hmm. And that was First time in my life I considered not playing soccer again. As I walked up the field, I never believed I was going to play again. I was just like a wreck. Uh-huh. And that's like my saddest moment, I think. Oh, well. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing your, your emotions, both joy and your lack thereof. Um, Obash, your turn. Happiest moment, saddest moment. I know it could be personal, it could be watching, it could be whatever. Okay, so my first moment of you were watching, I guess. Okay. So, 
I my happiest moment was like I believe it was when Nigeria won after the president. Like I was I, I, I don't believe that I had to come to college. I started watching after Nigeria. We grew up in when living one zero, they will continue one war in like ten minutes. So I didn't think anything was going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Then I came to college and somehow we are taking it out of our group. We just kept going, we kept going. I was like, wow, wow, wow. I'm really going to see Nigeria win up for a game. And we then, like, we reached the final and I thought that we did not come out Nigeria. So I was going to the way we love to come here, right. you know. The way we love to come here in Lagos and everything. I said that I would Share your, your gladdest moment and your saddest moment. My happiest moment was when Chelsea won the Champions League mm. against Bayern Munich mm. because I remember that day because I had one of the most important exams of my life the next day and I couldn't watch the penalty shootouts because I had to go to bed. But I remember I stayed up and I remember I had one of my seniors running outside the dormitory just screaming. And me and my friends start to run around and just scream. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> after because we watched the game up to the one hundred twenty minutes and so when um Jordan. first of all Robert first scored then Robert missed a penalty uh I think in extra time and Didier Drogba scored in eighty eight minutes. First of all, when Didier Drogba scored, I remember that day clearly. People were jumping and the roof was quite low and the fan was quite low and so on. Hit, the fan hit on his head. And no one noticed. <laughs> no one. It was two weeks after that happened that people got the news of the dude whose head was practically opened up. It was the greatest moment of my life as okay. a football fan and as a Chelsea fan because I was just happy, also ecstatic about everything and the feeling is indescribable. I can't put words to describe how happy I was at that moment. Okay. But my saddest moments, my saddest moments ever as a football fan was when Chelsea lost to Barcelona, I think, in the semi-final on the final. Or either that or when Chelsea lost to... I think that sad when Chelsea lost to Man. Uh, to Manchester United in the final and I think it was Moscow because uh, Jim Terry lost a freak uh, slip to Manchester United to take a penalty but I think it was when Chelsea lost to Barcelona and that's the reason why I can't support any Barcelona final team and that's the reason I don't have respect I, feel, I believe you you have a nice big team you have a that's more real than it is last week <laughs> okay uh, yeah, I hate that's why I was happy when Real Madrid was the first team in the modern era to win the Champions League back to back. So, so let's let's uh, let's let's spin now to the bigger picture, right? Some of the some of the things yeah. I've gotten so far uh, about how you know, because you guys have mentioned that oh, you know, we were watching soccer together. Um, and oftentimes soccer tends to be, if I'm correct, a collective experience. You watch the games with other people, things like that. Um, you know, how do you think soccer brings people together? Um, uh, Obash, let's start with you. You know, what are your thoughts on soccer? Uh, you know, bringing people together and connecting us and and whatnot. so far, but this episode is brought to you by our new sponsor, Useful Corruption. Hey, do you happen to be a corrupt politician who has $100 million or so lying under your bed, or $50 million in the guest bathroom? How about considering Useful Corruption? Invest your stolen funds in local businesses at reasonable interest rates and make that money work for you 
while you make your money work for the people. Useful corruption. Stealing. That helps. This podcast or this podcast helps story money affiliated with this podcast does not in any way endorse or encourage money laundering. For someone like me, when I have nothing else doing, I've actually calmed down more being here because like when I was in Nigeria and I really like have that much and my life wasn't that much difficult. I didn't have uh, you know, that many responsibilities. I would be there watching ESPN classes just to do you know, understand what happened. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time, in case I'm talking to somebody and they think I don't know what I'm saying, but it was important. It was important to me. Mm-hmm. It was important. To me. So I think, I think, like it's um, like the sport. Like I guess, I, I think sport in general is just supposed to bring people, you know, bring people together. Like it's common ground. It's a very nice icebreaker for somebody that any random person you don't know how you are going to come to it. But once you find out that. Interested in this sports like okay, they support the same team. Mm. You guys just have a level of you know connection mm. and everything like that. So I think I, I think that. Um, so, so Wale, what, what are your thoughts on uh, you know, do you have like, any examples of how soccer has brought people together? Let's see. So, like, how soccer brought people together? Yeah. Um, so, I think um, a, a big way of how I became, like, um, friends with a lot of people in high school or college, or how I sort of get into my college life. Mm-hmm. was that like I played indoor soccer mm-hmm. and like the thing about like you know community and your community is that like you can have like a group uh, of friends well they hold for know. one second okay uh, alright so everybody's back on the call now right Obasi yeah, awesome so Wale well, you yeah. can continue uh, Obasi left the call okay. very briefly okay so um I said playing indoor soccer, right? So I was friends with like a group of the Africans on campus. Mm-hmm. But like I always used to wonder to myself if I would leave home and then I'll never get to make like, any other friends. Mm-hmm. But then when I said playing soccer, then I started meeting people from different places. That's when I started meeting people from like, you know, Mexico. I started meeting people from like, you know, Iran and all of these places. And then it sort of, soccer just sort of brought us together. You know, our love for the sports brought us together to this particular place mm-hmm. where we could like, you know, play and enjoy ourselves. Mm. And that's, like, I think one good way for me in college to sort of expand my network, make new friends, you know? Mm. And that's, like, how, you know, soccer made me a little bit more comfortable with, like, different people in college, made me learn about different, you know, backgrounds and culture. Mm. And soccer actually got me my first internship, mm. you know? Because, like, the, um, the COO of a company was, visiting IIT and then we talked about soccer he was a Barcelona fan mm. and I love Messi so like we talked about that and then after that he just sort of transcended into like oh what are you doing right now what are you studying and would you be interested in doing an internship and that's sort of how I got like my internship so it's like mm. it's a found a way to make people that love something come together to sort of share that passion for the sport at the moment you share that passion for the sport, you learn about the other person and you learn about like, you know, opportunities for growth and like opportunities for collaboration. So I think that's how like soccer sort of helped me be in a position of bringing people together. Alright, and uh, uh, Kalade, your thoughts? 
Well, I think I agree with what Oliano Bashar has said on how soccer brings people together. I think it's really sports in general, but I believe when people sit down to play football, when people <coughs> start to play, when people play football all the time, they meet people, they bond on another level that uh, it's magical. Uh, it's really magical because when you see it, you meet people, you play one, two times, even though you don't play well or even though they beat you most of the time, you get to know the person on another level, mm. you get to have interactions with them, you get to just um, make a good friend and a lot of strong relationships mm. are started over a game of FIFA, over a game of one touch football or five a side or eleven a side so, um, or indoor or indoor football. Right, right. So I believe uh, I right. believe the world would be a terrible place without football most especially. Huh. Alright. Uh, that's that's a pretty strong but probably quite accurate claim. Um so next next question. Um let's go let's get let's get a little deep. Um, I've always looked at soccer as a, perhaps in some way a reflection of the African society very well or what the African society should be. Oftentimes, you have these national teams that are you know, an amalgamation of people from different tribes uh, put into position based on merit for the most part because you want your best players to play and they, you know, go forth and, you know, represent the country and whatnot. What do you guys think about that? You know, do, are, are there things in soccer that perhaps uh, reflect some of the best and maybe even some of the worst parts of African society? Let's go with uh, you, Wally. <laughs> Would you call? 
Yeah, you call yeah, someone, yeah. you share something that you're really passionate about with. Mm-hmm. You know, and now in that moment, the birthday parties that used to go for where only junior arranging and fans used to go, the Ray Wale and Toyota are going for now. Because soccer and cell phones reach that divide. The cell phones reach that divide of whether we are evil or Yoruba. It's made us spread that divide whether we are from RCCG or from St. Jude. You know? And that, I think that's like, you know, something that it does. You know, look at my clothes around the world. You see people from different places. Like, Ozil is like a, mm-hmm. it's like a half Turkish uh, Muslim that plays for Germany. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Look at all of these, you know, diversity and how, like, you know, soccer sort of brought people together. Even though, like, you know, there's still a little bit of, like, racism and everything, you can see that people are beginning to gravitate towards more understanding of the mm. community, like, within, like, soccer. And I think that's what soccer does, right. whether it's on a personal level or a communal level. Okay. So, Bas, what are your thoughts? Reflections of like the African society. Right. Well, I, I would I would like to. I mean, uh, I don't want to repeat everything what he said, but I said I agree. Right. Joining together of different people, but I think one of the vices we encounter in soccer, I mean, especially as amongst Africans, is the idea of politics. <laughs> you know how you know how it is. Like it's, uh, you know, you go somewhere. I mean, naturally. society one affects soccer sometimes. One negative, yeah, one, yeah. one negative, like, things to turn with that. But I said, I also agree a lot with what Wally said about the bringing people together and everything like that. Yeah, so, call are your thoughts? I think um, one thing that I'm also sure about football, when you look at the... Let me use uh, an analogy here for African football. Let me use, for instance, the Nigerian football team 
Mm-hmm. When you look at how it's managed, you could see the mismanagement in the African fo- the funds of the African football team, people opening it. And if you put that side of that side, if you juxtapose it with the Nigerian government, you would see that it's more of the same where the Nigerian government mm-hmm. uh, pockets the funds meant to fix the country. Right. Same thing happens in the Nigerian football team, and same thing is happening around the federations of African football in various African countries. Only few are well run. And when you look at players in itself and the talent pool we have, not only uh, within the country but outside the country in terms of recruiting people that will pay well, pay well for the country mm-hmm. and how they are paid, they mm-hmm. have little or no incentive to come play for Nigeria because they know the FA is not well run. They know they will, they probably wouldn't get paid. Mm. And you can see it. And just again, just suppose that with the situation in Nigerian government where people are hardly getting paid, people's salaries haven't been paid mm. for over uh, six months to a year to two years. Mm. You can see that it's almost quite similar. Things that happen, things that are happening in the football team and or the football federation in Nigeria are quite similar, if not exactly the same as what's happening in the government. So I believe, in a kind of way, the status of the situation of a Football federation or football or national football federation or football team mm-hmm. in our country typically reflects the country itself. Typically, yeah, reflects the situation of the country itself. Awesome, really good points. Um, now, uh, I guess my final question for you guys is: uh, if you were to take one element of soccer and uh, in, in, and in, implement it in the African society so that it betters the African society, you know, and it can be country-specific or community-specific, uh, what would that thing be? If there's just one thing I say, you know, so this thing is great in soccer. Um, how can I, you know, if, if we had this in general society, um, we'd, all be, we'd all be far better off. And, and let's, uh, let's start with uh, you, Wale, again. Um, what, what would that thing be? I think that thing would be like coaching, you know? Mm. I feel like coaching is sort of like the leadership of a team, you know? Mm. Where like, you know, you bring a bunch of people together from different places and you try to propose like an idea or a style of play for them to play so they can be successful. And I feel like if African leadership can be like coaching, mm. then it will be fine. When I mean coaching, I don't mean like Mugabe kind of coaching. <laughs> <laughs> Like, when you come with that kind of coaching, that's where you end up with like, you know, as a white guy like kind of situation. You don't want that. Right. You know? You want to be able to have like a group of players and fans working together to make the best out of a team. Right. right? And then the coach is the one that sort of drives that initiative. Right. By like charisma, whether it's ideas, whether it's right. strategy. Right. And that's like, you know, a big thing I think that like, you know, we lack. Like, you know, as an African community. So, a lot so. of African communities have like <clears throat> people that lead and they want to order around and they can't get fired. You know? right. yeah. They can't get fired. So once they do a messy job, they just say, Oh, I'll just keep doing a messy job right. and then you get the next person and then the person doing a messy job. Hmm. Whereas in Southern days, as a coach, you can't you, you can't you don't have that luxury of doing a messy job. Right. You come in, you do your time, try and do the best and you leave. Hmm. You know? And I think the African leadership can take one or two things from you know, football coaching. Wow. Very profound. I really appreciate that. That was very, very, very profound. Abbas, what are your thoughts? Well, I think this is 
one of your more yeah. difficult questions. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's all. I'm trying. I'm trying to draw. Trying to draw parallels between um, you know, football and like African leadership and everything. But like, well, I, I would say if you look at like a team, you look at like um, a team like uh, Borussia Dortmund now. Mm-hmm. It's it's basically fan right? Mm-hmm. So, well, like a parallel I'll draw with that between that and like you know a country like Nigeria is like if Nigeria itself was you know so to say fan owned, like mm-hmm. we didn't we didn't have that many restrictions from the government to be able to better ourselves in the case of in the scenario where they are doing their jobs. Mm-hmm. Because like there are there are a lot of private citizens in Nigeria that are actually interested in like, you know, fixing some problems but they like the government literally does not allow them to right. like that, that that I'm not saying that's very widespread and everything, but like that is quite possible. Mm. Like it happens that experience that happened before yeah. and someone is ready to fix a street that he lives on but the government is like no you don't have license you don't have this because they want to be the ones in charge so that they can take whichever money is left over or as usual take more than they are more than they are supposed to and everything like that yeah. so I mean that option I would say the option of yeah yeah you still have to go through with the government but like I feel like a lot of those restrictions on private citizens shouldn't be there. Mm. Like if if someone, if a private citizen is ready to do, I just just to make sure like you don't start saying that the government owes them. Mm. You sign like an affidavit that you're doing this. You're doing this, you know, like um, out of your own free will. Right. You know, there's no, it's not binding. There's nothing like that. So. I guess that, that that's like the only thing I would say, but like I think I think you can just draw that parallel from there, you know, something being more community oriented and everything like that, rather than just relying on on the government that you don't really have faith in. Hmm. I guess I think right. so. But as I said, I, I, the only the reason why I thought of something like this is because I don't want to. I agree with what you said. I, I don't want to. Um, and everything. So I was just yeah. looking for a new take to see. Yeah, that, that was a very good take. I, I, I definitely, you know, the, the concept of having, let, letting, you know, the the fan base, which is effectively the community, to have more of a stake in improving the condition of the team, which is the country, right? So, yeah, yeah that was very profound. I, I appreciate that. Um, Haladi, what are your thoughts? I think one thing I would really love to happen is that people would have the same intensity towards supporting the team, towards uh, voicing out their opinions about their team for their country, because I believe that a lot of people, a lot of youth, a lot of adults love their team more than they love their country, but mm. because the way they support the team, the way they argue, the way they get into fights, the way they kill themselves because their team wins or loses a match, that intensity should be put towards developing to be making sure your country does well, to be making sure your community is more right, to be making sure that your environment is clean, at least to making sure that your fellow man is of good and stable mental well-being and just physical well-being. I believe that's what we need to do because a lot of people get distracted from 
what's happening around them just because of sports. And sure, it serves a good purpose, but if they could just transfer half hmm. of how of their intense feelings for their um, intense feelings of love or hatred for a particular team to the support of their country, to support of the government programs, to voting when it needs to be voted. Because I know a lot of people during transfer season, they'll be doing research mm-hmm. on who their team should buy, and they'll say, yeah, let's buy this player. They'll watch hours of videos of compilations of this football player. Like, yeah, this team should buy this team. This team should, should buy this team. Yeah. But they won't take their time to do research on government candidates or their local government candidates mm-hmm. that would help uh, will rule their society. So I believe people should start Listen, people should start um, transferring that love, that feeling they have for football, for any sport that they're really into, for anything that they support, or anything that they really hate. Awesome. Just if they could take that half, take that um, half of the passion, intensity, yeah. passion to helping to provide a better society or helping to leave a better society for their kids. Mm. That most nations, except the African nations, would be in a much better place than they are right now. Mm. Fantastic. Well, thank you. Thank you all so very much. This has been fantastic. Um, uh, Wale, Faladian, Obas, this has been a fantastic conversation. It's one exactly how I hoped it would, where we'd talk about personal memories and help people understand the, the feelings you guys have for the sports and the experience you have, as well as, um, you know, the, the bigger picture and how it affects us and the things we can take from soccer to. And each of you have given very, very profound examples that I think uh, I'm going to even bring up in conversations I have with other people moving forward. Uh, so thank you all. Uh, Wale, thank you. Kaladi, thank you. Uh, Dami, thank you. If you guys want to say bye to my guests one more time, go ahead and uh, just... Uh, bye, my- bye. Awesome guys, thank you so very much and uh, uh, enjoy the rest of your day. This has been Akande Adirele with Pod Save Africa. Please don't forget to listen, like and subscribe. We are also now on Twitter at Pod Save Africa. Um, the pod, the O and the pod is 0 and 7 0 because somebody else already stole the name. <sighs> but you know, follow us at Pod Save Africa on Twitter. Um, you can find all the episodes there. We also kind of talk to people during the during the week and whatnot in between episodes. And we also like hype other wonderful podcasts that we we found inspiring and awesome over the over the week. So, uh, thank you very much for listening, and uh, have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye. <laughs>